Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. going on hockey fans welcome back to casing the league on believe network bringing you up to date nhl news hot topics and we're so close to season best bets and speaking of best bets it's bet online where you want to get all of your sports intel your sports intel headquarters to say more specifically basketball hockey mlb ufc boxing anything sports related you can name they've got it the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home get into the action today head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code b-l-e-a-v believe to receive your 50 percent bonus off your first deposit guys i've got a very special guest with me today johnny lazarus you've got a long title going on so you're a busy guy you've got hockeynews.com where you're covering the rangers NHL host and analyst, you crushed all of the Stanley Cup stuff. If anyone didn't see your work, they should head over there and get up to date with all the stuff that you got going on. You are also a host here on Believe for Blue Crew Pod. So what's going on now? How's offseason treating you? Casey, first of all, I appreciate appreciate you having me on. I've seen a lot of my friends come on your show, so it's nice to be able to join that little clan. But um, yeah, the summer's been really quick. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but I'm ready for hockey to come back. I'm all summered out. Uh, you know, this last week's been pretty fun. U.S. Open, Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to another concert tonight, and that's going to be the uh, the last hurrah for me. But I'm ready for the hockey season to start. Oh, wait, quick little name drop there. Are you an old old rock and roll fan? Are you like old school music? I'm like a mix of kind of everything. Like if you asked me my three favorite singers, I'd probably say Bruce Springsteen, John Mayer, and then Quinn 92. So like kind of like a little, you know, three opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay. I was going to say, I growing up military, it's just been like classic rock for me. I have Rolling Stones. I have ACDC, Rolling Stones, Tattoo, and Guns N' Roses, and it's all like a family inside thing. Wow. But my dad's nickname for me is Rolling Stone, which is where all that gumption comes from. So, uh-huh. okay. But we'll get into more music <laughs> later, because um, as most people know, whenever I have a new guest on my show, we got to get to know one another. we got to keep things as cheesy as possible. So first and foremost is that icebreaker. Pretty sure you played hockey, so mm-hmm. this should be an interesting answer. But I like to see how people describe their personality. I find that covering hockey for six years, you kind of see a, a pattern here when guys play a certain position. So with this question, I always like to ask if you've got more of a personality of like a speedy, skilled winger, a more confident guy. For my team with the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's it's Braden Point tends to be the kind of quiet but very confident, you don't get much out of him kind of guy. Uh, then you got the chippy chirping center. Love those guys. Um, they can always talk smack. They're your strong two-way players. Their personality can range across the board. Protective defensemen, they can be quiet and protective, or they can shoot their mouth off as well. And then you've got the quirky goalie, which I there's not much to say about goalies. Yeah. Goalie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would say I'm more of the, uh, you know, it's funny when you first described it, I was thinking like the speedy skilled winger, but I might be that like chippy chirping center, even though I, I played wing, but. I was more of a guy who like, you know, I didn't really talk trash or, you know, I don't know if I can curse on here, but like, yeah. um, you know, Love talk it. shit, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> obviously um, I was more of like the friendly guy out there. And, you know, I had a coaches that actually called me like nice lads. And that's kind of like the, I think the main reason why I like never kind of made it past college was because like, Too you know, nice. I was never out there to like prove that I was the best or like that pucks my puck. I was like, it, it was always fun first for me. And, um, 
you know, if I needed to talk trash, I'd do it. But I was more like the friendly guy out there. And my teammates actually like, gave me so much crap for it. They're like, dude, just like be angry. And that was like never really my thing. And obviously, um, you know, hockey's a sport that you're probably better off if you are angrier. But, um, you know, I never really had like a, another level to get to as far as like that um, competitiveness. Like I was mm-hmm. always just like pretty happy to be out there, which is something that, you know, obviously I wish I could have, you know, gone back and changed, but uh, it's gotten me to this point. So I guess it, it isn't all that bad. So you were for a, a love for the game kind of guy more than yeah. out there to make a case. But you know what? Tell me if I'm wrong here. Hockey's kind of changed in that perspective. You're talking 15, 20 years ago where they used to hire enforcers, people to literally come up and stir shit up. And now I feel like that's not much of a thing. Like you've got the guys that do it, but the requirement's not as high. Am I, am I off base there? Is that changing a little bit? No, you're definitely on point. Um, you know, there are a few guys who I could think of in the league that are somewhat of enforcers, but they could also play the game at a high level too. Right. So like, yeah. you know, there, there are the few cases in the league right now, like a Ryan Reeves is sticking around a little bit in Toronto. And I think, you know, Reeves is a guy who's going to make Toronto just a, a little more tougher. Um, you know, last year, I think we saw it a couple of times where Austin Matthews would kind of get in the mix and then someone else would have to fight his battles for him. And, you know, I think Revo is going to kind of bring that, uh, you know, I guess maturity level to that group that's been all flair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I obviously love as a, a human being. Like I've never had the chance to meet him, but um, you know, he's a guy that I would love to hang out with. And he's just a, uh, you know, a guy that is the enforcer, but is a guy like, you know, on the back nine of his career who also understands like every day in the NHL is a blessing and he's there to have fun too. So uh, yeah. he's a guy that I'm really excited to watch this year with Toronto. Absolutely. I mean, I hate that he's with Toronto just because I have to face him when it comes to the lightning, but yeah. other than that, tracking his career and, and what he's brought to the ice, I've enjoyed it. And you mentioned a funny point with Austin Matthews, probably get into it more later, but he does not like to finish fights that he starts. He pissed off our captain and got it good during playoffs. But um, speaking of teams, playoffs, seasons, all of the above, let's get into the next best part of casing the league. Describe <laughs> the song for me. Uh, that either describes the 2022-23 season for the Rangers, a particular standout moment, or the upcoming season. You could choose from those three categories and go wild. I don't want to sound too cocky, but I think I have the best answer like ever for this question. You might. Everybody gets so <laughs> nervous. Like I'm going to judge them for their song taste. Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to judge, but I feel like you'll like my answer. And... I tweeted out lyrics a lot during the season from this song because I felt like this is the perfect question to ask me because I felt it was like very relatable to this particular season for the Rangers. And the song that I'm picking is all too well, 10 minute version by Taylor Swift. Oh, it's so hard to get Swifties out here. Yeah. Well, you won with that one. I'll give you uh-huh. that because the last person that chose a Taylor Swift song, she was so on the fence about it. I, I wasn't sure if I, if I, if I believed her answer. So all too well. Why did you choose all too well? And I have seen those lyrics get tweeted out. Well, I have a specific line that I think is so perfect for this team. You know, you add Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko at the deadline. And the, the lyric in the song is maybe this thing was a masterpiece till you tore it all up. And that's obviously, you know, the roster that the Rangers had this year. It was somewhat of a super team. And then there was a lot of criticism on Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff and how they handled this roster. So the team's the masterpiece. Chris Drury made the masterpiece. And then Gallant tore it all up. So I think like these lyrics kind of just match perfectly with what the Rangers 2022, 2023 season was. See, and what you did better than any other guest, Johnny, is you made it poetic in a mm-hmm. sense. So it could be a song or you could have made that your own haiku. You won. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that would be a good one. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Taylor Swift is a very popular person around the entire yeah. world, not just hockey. So 
I thought that'd be a, a good one to go with. And I, honestly, I, I didn't force that. Like that was literally what I was tweeting all year long. Like, um, <laughs> you know. what was the lyric I tweeted specifically? I think, uh, I'm, I'm blanking now that the pressure's on, but it was, I think it was after Jack Hughes scored in game. Was it four? He had the breakaway goal. Is that what he goals too? Yeah, I think he had that break with that sick picture of him like over Igor Shesterkin with the MSG ceiling behind him. I think it's game four. He scored the first goal in like two minutes into the game. Yeah. And I think I tweeted like I remember it all too well or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> he was on his revenge tour. So exactly. more to throw in there. So winner with that. But you mentioned a few things that kind of gets us right into the conversation of the New York Rangers. And I'm kind of glad that you touched on Patrick Kane and Tarasenko coming in. There was so much hype around that. And we have a segment here in Case Millie called Too Much Hype or Not Enough Hype, which we'll get to shortly. But do you feel like all the hype surrounding those acquisitions kind of threw the roster and threw off the momentum and the chemistry that this team had? Because they got into playoffs and they fell apart in certain instances that they were so keen on. The power play, for instance, if it wasn't for Kreider, the power play didn't exist. And it was one of the top teams when it came to that aspect. So was that a distraction? I mean, I was definitely one of the people that was hyping up the roster as much as possible. I literally tweeted like the day King got traded, like there should be a billboard outside Times Square. Like, you know, uh, we're the people we've been waiting for. It's like the Rangers win song that they play after their like actual win song. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hype was definitely warranted, I think, around the roster. Like, you know, when you bring in a Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, two guys, obviously, that are a little bit older, but that have dominated the NHL for like the last decade plus. I mean, how could you not, you know, hype up that kind of team, especially in the biggest city, you know? basically in the world. Uh, So I I think that, you know, the hype obviously could have creeped into the room a little bit. And I think, you know, that's something that's going to help the Rangers this year is that they don't have that pressure on their backs this year because of the names that have left that room. But, you know, the funny thing is about what you just mentioned, the power play, the four games, the Rangers didn't score a power play goal in that series were the four games they lost. Like to me, I I compared it a lot to the New York Knicks. Like, you know, I'm a big Knicks fan as well. And I love the NBA and you know, you you see, oh yeah, it sucks. But you see so many teams that live and die by the three-pointer, and the Rangers were kind of the same way in their power play, right? Like, you know, they clicked a lot more when Mika Zibanejad was scoring on the power play, when Kreider was scoring on the power play. It just kind of, you know, gets the team going a little bit more. And when, you know, vice versa, the opposite happens. When you don't score on the man advantage, it kind of, you know, adds that pressure a little bit more. Wow, like, why isn't the puck not going in? You know, so I think a lot of that uh, played a negative effect on this group. And I think, you know, had the Rangers – had a little bit more power play success, especially in game three. That's, you know, that pivotal game where they lose in overtime and changes the entire series. Like, you know, who knows? Like, Clank could still have a job. The Rangers go to the second round. They beat in Carolina the year before. You know, who knows how different that story is. But I think this group does, you know, rely a lot on their power play. And they've been a top 10 power play in the league the last two years. So why wouldn't they? And, you know, it's funny. You look back the last two seasons in the NHL and the two and three most power play goals in the league outside of Leon Dreisaitl are Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. So, um, you know, this power play is a huge reason why this team is good. And I forgot what the original question was, but yeah, that, that power play was a, a massive crutch uh, in the first round against the Devils when they couldn't score. No, you touched on the question, especially because uh, what stood out to me is I saw they had a 24.1 conversion rate on the power play, and then they came out of this season ranked 11th in the league, but that was a drop off. As you said, they're top 10 when it comes to that. Does it, extend to I know you have your skilled guys the guys that we know can get it done right uh you can count on them always in that instant but is it going to come down to somebody else stepping up when it comes to the power play conversation in either the first power play unit second power play unit or do you think that they just need to continue to make way for Kreider and Zibanejan to uh have those passing lanes to execute well I think last year what happened was and I think Galant tried to fix it a little bit later on was that there was just too much talent on it 
And mm-hmm. it was very passive. Like whenever you had uh, Panarin and Kane together, you know, neither of them wanted to shoot first. They were both looking for that extra pass. And, you know, the Rangers at time are known for being a little too cute. And I think, you know, that was a big issue last year too. And like, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? Like there were arguments last year about taking Tarasenko off the first unit. Like in what world is Vladimir Tarasenko not on the first power play unit on any team, but that's just how talented this roster was. So, you know, I think this year, you know, getting rid of Kane and getting rid of Tarasenko like allows opportunity for other guys like Heedle or Kako or even Lafreniere to maybe step in on that first unit and get some more ice time. I'm hoping that it's it's Kako because I want to see Kako get as much ice time as possible. I think, you know, he's a guy that has shown a lot of positive but just hasn't been rewarded for it. You know, Lafreniere obviously is the talk of the town as well. Like, what can he do? We don't know what we have in him yet. Number one overall pick, obviously, in 2020. And, you know, I think with them – losing those big names, it allows for more opportunity for these younger guys to step in and, you know, fill that role. And I think it'll be beneficial for the Rangers in the long run to have, you know, one unit that's pretty top heavy. And then a second unit that comes out for the last 30 seconds, if that first unit doesn't convert, but last year it got so confusing with two really strong units, Tarasenko and Kane on one. And then, you know, obviously there was a lot of shuffling. So this year I expect it to be much more consistent. Yeah, a problem I definitely understand close-handed. Um, I saw that with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2022 or 2021 and 2020, for instance, just kind of too much skill, people taking the extra pass. Nikita Kucherov being that guy, for instance, when you know he can tear it up on his own stick and just decides that he wasn't going to take his opportunity. I think you transitioned beautifully, though. We're going to jump ahead a little bit here. My favorite thing about hockey, what caught my attention, is the blender. When you're looking for that spark, when you need something to just edge out the competition, you have coaches that just throw their lines in the blender to see what's going to happen. Coach Cooper is one of the top guys in the league known for that, um, and I'm obsessed with it. So daily face-off kind of gives us an inclination of what things are going to look like. You mentioned Kako, you mentioned Lafreniere, you mentioned Heedle, and the kid line was the talk of the town, in my opinion, when it came to the Rangers, especially this previous season. So uh, let's get into some blender talk. I sent you the lines, but mm-hmm. – they, I, I didn't love them, and I feel like you'll have a better opinion on them. It looks like they're going to break up that kid line a little bit. We saw them start doing that in playoffs to kind of generate different sparks, but what I'm throwing on is the fact that through 52 games, this kid line produced, I think, a little over 100 high-danger shots. Um, they were really good on the rush. They were really good at creating that spark in the swing for this team. How do you feel about the kid line either staying intact or separating that talent to kind of bring those sparks to other lines? Well, I think in the big games, you obviously know the kid lines line you can go to that you can rely on to bring that spark. But I think to start the year off, you got to split them up. Like, I think all three of them could be in the top six. We asked me like, I actually wrote a story on this yesterday and the lines that I put together were Panarin's Banajai Kako, which, you know, they haven't had much success in the past, but they didn't play like more than a couple games. I think it was 12 games total together or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, that line, um, if I'm correct. And then, you know, I'd love to see Lafreniere, Heedle and Wheeler on the second line. I think. Lafreniere and Heedle have been somewhat of a tandem, um, you know, that has had a lot of success. And I think Heedle, obviously, people want to see him be a second line center, but right now they're paying Trocek, you know, almost double the money that Heedle's getting. And, uh, you know, he has six years left on his contract. So, you know, just on paper, it looks like Trocek should be the second line center. But I think, you know, this team is more well balanced with Kreider and with Trocek on the third line. And, you know, obviously that comes with some controversy because Chris Kreider, you know, has had phenomenal back-to-back seasons, you know, becoming a prolific goal scorer in the NHL. But, you know, a lot of his success does come in the power play, and he's a guy that can, you know, play anywhere, I think, in the top nine and find success. Obviously, him and Mika are, you know, quite the dynamic duo in the NHL and have a great relationship both on and off the ice, and it would suck to see them separate. 
but I think it just makes the Rangers a much more dangerous team to have those guys play down the lineup and to, you know, give Lafreniere, Hito Kako the opportunity to succeed, right? Because that's the the big talking point around the Rangers is that Lafreniere and Kako haven't had the chances to succeed and haven't had a chance to flourish. So, you know, I think if you don't want that to be an excuse, you give them the ice time, you let Kreider and Trocek, you know, cook on the third line, whatever you know, everyone says. But, um, you know, I think you need to make this team a well-balanced machine, and that's what they haven't been lately. They've been very top-heavy, and, you know, they haven't gotten depth scoring. So the Rangers went out this year and added some depth to their lineup. But there's a lot of question marks, right, because you don't know what Lafreniere and Kako can do with all the ice time. So I think this year, like, to me, I've said it a bunch of times this summer, it's like a trial run. You know, you have a brand new coaching staff. You don't really know what you have in these kids when they have, you know, top six minutes. So um, basically try out every combination that you can. And that's why I said like the opening night roster should look like that because, you know, the first 10, 15 games, you know, obviously every game matters, but those are the things, those are the times when you try stuff out. Like you're not going to want to try shit come March. Right. So um, I'd love to see it at the start of the season uh, just to see how it goes. But yeah, if you ask me the kid line, you know, in a big game, I think they can, be thrown together, you know, against a team like Tampa or, uh, you know, I think to start the year, they should definitely be separated though. Yeah, absolutely. You pointed out some pretty great things. Once again, guys, you can catch Johnny's work over at hockeynews.com covering all things Rangers. And I would dive into that article if I were you, because as I said, we're going to get into some blended lines here. I love that you mentioned throwing some of that veteran experience and talent in the face of this team on the third, well, maybe even fourth line, but let's stick with the third line. Third line can be a hero line. Saw that here in Tampa Bay. You guys have one of our third line heroes, Barclay Goodrow, um, who worked with, um, who was it? Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman. And that was our line that came in and saved the day or tilted the ice in those need moments. And I think that Kreider comes in huge in those opportunities as well. Trocek, really good. A stat popped up at him being a top shorthanded faceoff leader. Found that to be fantastic. So I think you can make the third line more of a veteran presence. Now, for daily faceoff, they have Kreider, Zibanejad, and Kako on that first line. Is this something that you would love or hate? Better yet, one of the other top rushing lines for the New York Rangers was Panarin, Zibanejad, and Tarasenko. If they maintain that line, who would you swap out for Tarasenko? Well, I, I do think it's going to – what's up? I said I brought you on the show to do homework. Yeah, no, I, well, I do think it's going to be – at the start of the year, like if, if you had a you know gun to my head, I think it would be Kreider, Zibanejad, and Kako. Like that line was so successful last year when they were together in the beginning of the season. Like that was when Kako, or Capo Kako was playing his best hockey when he was playing with those two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, Panarin and Zibanejad, I'd love to see them work together, but they didn't really work together the last couple of years when they were on a line together. Um, but you know, that being said, like a different coaching staff could change that up and maybe they find success under Laviolette and the way he, he coaches his teams. Um, but you know, I, I would definitely go with Kreider, Zibanejad and Kako and, you know, replacing Tarasenko. I think it's, it's clear that it's going to be Blake Wheeler. Um, you know, I think Jimmy VZ is a capable right winger also, but you know, I think if you had the choice of Jimmy Vesey and Blake Wheeler in your top six, you're going with Blake Wheeler 10 out of 10 times. So, um, you know, I, I would take Wheeler in that Tarasenko spot, although, you know, Wheeler's another guy too. Like, I think he'd just make this team so much better if he was a third line player. But right now they don't have that elite second line right winger. So, um, you know, I think Wheeler's just the the choice right now. Gotcha. Love that. Now let's talk about some of your defensive pairings. Um, obviously, Adam Fox was hard to look away from last year, earned his all-star credit by far. Now, I feel like there's kind of a tainted reputation when a guy is spoken of as an offensive defenseman. They feel like they can't protect their own zone. Can you explain to fans how well Adam Fox kind of balanced that out of being so offensively lethal, but also being able to manage and handle uh, the Rangers' zone? 
Yeah, listen, Adam Fox isn't the most physical guy out there, but you know he's so good with his stick and he's so good. His hand-eye coordination is unbelievable, and I, I think honestly there aren't many better defensemen at keeping the play alive in the offensive zone on the blue line, like keeping pucks in the zone. Um, you know, obviously you think back to that shift against Tampa Bay, like you know the shift uh, that Ranger fans love to talk about when Hedo scores that one-timer goal on the pass from Keandre Miller. You know that play is kept alive because Adam Fox, you know, jumps three feet in the air and keeps that puck in the zone. So. Uh, you know, Foxy's obviously very reliable defensively. And, you know, I think it's because of his speed and physicality. Like those are the two things that he somewhat lacks uh, in comparison to other defensemen in, in the NHL that people like to harp on that. But, you know, it's funny, right? Like we talk about the, you know, Fox McCarr comparison all the time and, you know, not to like weird brag, but I played with both of them. You know, I grew up with Adam Fox on Long Island and I played in college with Kale and, you know, they are two completely different players. Like if you want to compare them to forwards in the NHL, like, you know, in their prime, like Kale is the closest thing to McDavid and Fox is the closest thing to Crosby. Like, I think Adam just makes everyone around him so much better. And Kale does the same too, but Kale's able to create so many opportunities for himself on his own. Like if you put Kale and Adam on the Arizona coyotes, like Kale's still going to put up 70 points. Adam might not put up that many points, but you know, when you surround Fox with elite talent, he makes them so much better. And then Kale is just, you know, able to do it all himself if he needs to. So um, Foxy, the, the biggest thing for him is that, strength right like you know there were some senses of it last year that one play that stands out is when he knocks nathan mckinnon on his ass you know sets up like a three on two and and gets a backdoor pass from vz to tie a game at two against colorado which was in like november you know a meaningless game in november but still a play that stands out so he's only 25 years old he's going to keep getting bigger keep getting stronger keep getting faster he's entering his prime years now so you know if adam fox isn't a top three defenseman in the nhl right now then you know i don't know who you're putting in over him because i in, in my mind i think he is but then again like you know, there are so many good defensemen in the league right now and, and so many guys that do different things. Like, you know, a guy that I've been harping on lately is Charlie McAvoy is, is someone I think who yeah. doesn't get enough credit because he can do everything, right? He's super physical. He fights. He's a leader. He can score goals. He can skate. He can shoot. He can pass. Like, he, he is a guy that I think flies so under the radar and so underappreciated by people that aren't Bruins fans. Um, but that's just where the league is right now, right? Like, the, the NHL defensemen are – you know, as good as it, as they've ever been. So a guy like Fox, you know, it's, it's tough to truly have everything when there's guys that are able to do so many different things. Yeah. The athletic spectrum's definitely changed for defensemen a lot. Um, and you're not looking at too many. I feel like the stay at home defenseman's kind of dying down or that is changing perspective wise as a whole. I've seen it over in Florida between the Florida Panthers, Tampa lightning and so on and so forth. But Continuing on the conversation of defensemen for a minute, because you guys have had some significant offseason moves. Keandre Miller was a big one to lock in. Uh, can you just talk about his role with the Rangers and what he'll bring to the ice significantly for this team and why it was so crucial to make sure that he stayed? Keandre Miller is far and away a fan favorite in New York. And for so many different reasons, like his off ice flair, his on ice swagger, just like everything about the kid. Like he is just, you know, someone that I think is easy to, to fall in love with when you just watch hockey. Cause you know, he's obviously a guy that stands out right away. He's so tall, so lengthy, has an incredible reach. And you know, he's a guy that can do everything as well. Right. We have, I don't think we've seen him fight yet. I like to see Keandre drop the mitts a little bit, but um, you know, I think just for him, he signed a two year deal. So it's somewhat of a bridge deal. And you know, that long-term contract's coming because he's only getting better and better and better each season. And, you know, I'd love to see him get a little bit more power play time this year, quarterbacking, quarterbacking the second unit. Hopefully he hasn't really had that opportunity early on in his career, but, Miller just does it all. Um, you know, he's so reliable on the back end. And even when he's caught in the offensive zone, like, you know, he's three strides away from catching whichever player's going down on a breakaway. So um, we've seen that on so many different instances. And, 
you know, obviously there has been some negatives because he, he is paired with Jacob Truba and Truba didn't have the best year on the back end this past year. And, you know, he sometimes get caught, gets caught in the offensive zone, which, you know, leaves Miller defending a two on one or odd man rush and Miller, you know, I feel like nine out of 10 times breaks that play up. But this year, I'd love to see those two clean it up a little bit. But I would also see or I'd also love to see Miller play with Brendan Schneider. You know, oh. Schneider's another younger guy that, you know, I think if you let Schneider play second pair minutes, um, he'll only benefit and the team will only benefit from it because Schneider is a huge part of this future, I think. And he's only, I think, 21 or 22 years old. Um, I'm not quite sure off the top of my head, but um, I think that duo would be pretty dangerous with Miller's speed and Schneider's physicality and both of them can score goals from the blue line. So I'd love to see them get some time together. I know a lot of Ranger fans want to see Miller Fox, but I think that's just way too top heavy for uh, the defensive pairings. And then, you know, you're kind of left with the second pair and third pair struggling to break the puck out. So as far as, you know, breaking the puck out goes Fox and Miller by far the best two on the team. So Keandre is so important. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see him be a lifelong Ranger. Yeah. And I agree. You mentioned something important earlier when we started talking, you don't want to front heavy the skilled players and kind of leave the other guys out to dry. Um, what do they call it on the lines? You always have to have a babysitter, the skilled position player that's going to get things driving home, right? Yeah. I've, I've actually never heard that one, but uh, no? you know, I'll, I'll pretend as if I have. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. You're so kind. Yeah, yeah. I like to make up things anyway, so we'll, we'll roll with it. But we yeah, we're a babysitter. Um, <laughs> now with this, I feel like there's a running theme here with the Rangers. Uh, a lot of talent, a lot of youth, um, probably not as much opportunity to see where they best fit. But that comes down to coaching, obviously. New head coach comes in this summer. How do you feel? What do you think the direction of this team will head in underneath his uh, his instruction? So at the start of the summer, I didn't know if Laviolette was the right pick. I thought it was the easy pick, um, okay. the comfortable pick, right? He has the experience. He's been to the cup final. He's won a cup final. He's been around this division for a long time. But, you know, I wanted the Rangers to somewhat bring in a fresher voice which they ended up doing with their assistant coaches. I know Phil Housley has some experience, but Dan Muse and Michael Pecker are two new coaches that have coached a lot of younger players, and that's something that the Rangers have struggled with is developing their younger guys. So, you know, I do think the staff did a great job at rounding out the coaching staff. Like they have, you know, somewhat of that hard ass at the top that's going to establish his personality within the group, you know, right away. And it's all about the hard work and hustle. And I think he'll punish guys even at the top if they're not performing, which Gallant didn't really do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think having Laviolette at the helm is is – you know, critical for this team right now, because let's face it, the Rangers window is, is shutting quick. Um, And it seemed like it was just opening two years ago and the way this team has been built, it's just not the case. So, um, you know, I think, what was it like there? There's nobody on the roster right now. I think Heedle turns 24 on September 5th, but the Rangers don't have a single forward as we're recording today between the ages of 24 and 29 which is very alarming because, you know, that means there's really no one in their prime. And you can make the case that Panarin and Zibanejad are in their prime right now and Kreider maybe too because he's had some strong years. But these guys are getting much older quick. So, you know, they need to win now. And, you know, Peter Laviolette is a coach that you bring in to win now. So um, he's made it pretty clear he's not here to develop guys. He's here to win a Stanley Cup. And I think that's what fans want to hear. I think that's what players want to hear. And obviously Gallant was here to do the same thing too. But, you know, I think the way this group will react – you know, to someone that's going to hold everyone accountable and, and, you know, not just if they're, if they're not scoring goals, it's if they're not playing D also, right? Like you got to do the little things because those add up to the big things. So Laviolette is going to be an interesting guy. And I think his personality will fit well in New York because he seems like a blue collar coach. And, you know, there's a lot of blue collar fans that love the Rangers. So, um, you know, I'm excited for it. And, uh, you know, I haven't met him yet, but I can't wait to meet him and 
have a press conference with him and see his vibe because uh, it's a completely different opposite vibe from that of Gerard Glant. Absolutely. And before we get into surveillancing the league as a whole, maybe tell Rangers fans what either you're most excited about heading into this upcoming season or what they should be most excited about heading into the upcoming season. Wow. I feel like this is a question I should know like off the top of my head, but what, what I'm most excited about, yeah, pressure's on. Um, you know, I think what I'm most excited about, and, and you know, this is just the first thing that came to my mind, I guess, but to see Igor Shesterkin bounce back, um, you know, obviously two years ago, the Rangers basically went as far as Igor took them. Um, you know, I think he was the heartbeat of this team. And, you know, last year there were some moments where he didn't necessarily show weakness, but he showed frustration with the roster. And I think he's going to have a big chip on his shoulder coming back this year. And, you know, there's arguments now that Sorokin is the better goalie in New York, and I'm sure he's hearing that and they're best friends. So I'm sure that's good banter for the two of them, but you know, Igor Shesterkin is a very special talent and that's something that Ranger fans have gotten used to in the blue paint is, you know, going from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin is, you know, quite the privilege for us. But, um, you know, I think when Igor's at the top of his game, I don't think anyone can beat the Rangers. So Igor is the guy that I'm relying on. And I think, you know, the Rangers will go as far as he goes. I used to say the same about Mika Zibanejad. When Mika was at the top of his game, the Rangers rode him. And, and when Shesterkin's at the top of his game, the Rangers ride him. So, you know, I think there's no doubt that Igor is the most important player. You know, then again, like last year, I thought in the playoffs, he was phenomenal and the Rangers couldn't score goals. So they got shut out in game five, shut out in game seven, very similar to the 2015 group that got shut out in game five and game seven at home against your Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, history does tend to repeat itself sometimes. So, you know, I'd love to see Igor this year play at the top of his game and, you know, hopefully make another run for the Vesna Trophy. Absolutely. So Rangers fans should be hyped for the guy between the pipes. And you're right. I mean, I think they averaged 2.64 goals per game. And with all that talent, you would have expected a higher goal for there. But let's go across the league now. And we're just going to keep it simple. Too much hype around this topic or not enough hype. And yes, the pressure is back on. Johnny, as you tell us why. So <laughs> we're going to keep it fun. We're going to keep it simple. And we're going to start with Connor Bedard's expected 25 plus goals in his rookie season. Now, I understand all the conversation and comparisons around him and David McJesus, whatever you want to call the guy. But is that a high hype to come in on a kid's shoulders who's just now starting off in the league, let alone with the Blackhawks, regardless of the acquisitions that they've pulled in? It's kind of funny. Like, if the number was 30, I'd say way too high. But 25, like, seems somewhat reasonable. Um, I think he'll have under 25 just because I think Chicago's terrible. Um, you know, nothing on Bedard. Like I think Bedard's going to be an amazing player in the league, but right. I, I think he, I don't think he, the player is overhyped, but I think the expectations for him this year might be overhyped just because mm -hmm. Chicago's not good. Yeah. Um, and that I think is, you know, somewhat what we saw with Crosby when he entered the league, right? Like he was phenomenal, but Pittsburgh stunk. Like mm -hmm. they didn't make the playoffs his first year. Um, but he turned that organization in, into a contender, like in his second season. So you know, I think the first year might be a little bit tough for Bedard. You know, I think he'll have some success. I don't think there's people saying he's going to put up like 80 points. I don't think he'll yeah, touch 80 points. Um, you know, I think he'll be in like the 65 or 60 range. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to watch this kid play. But I, I just think Chicago is going to finish, you know, toward the bottom of, of the league again. All right. So Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno, uh, Corey Perry, those guys coming in, they're not going to be the magic makers that make Bedard that much better in this team jump uh rankings obviously so not enough hype for Connor Bernard but too much hype around the expectancy 
My favorite conversation, please entertain me in this one as much as possible, <laughs> Boston Bruins. We've talked about the President's Trophy curse. We've talked about the reverse curse the minute they got knocked out of the first round by the Rats. Uh, tell me, too much hype, not enough hype, that their reverse curse season is doomed. Now that they've lost certain guys, they couldn't retain the players that even helped them have better games in playoffs. Is their season doomed? I mean, like – I feel like they're not even really being talked about. Like, what kind of hype are they even getting? I haven't heard much Bruins talk. I feel like everyone's just kind of like... Well, it's the reverse presidency. So now they're expected to have this bounce-back Stanley Cup winning season just because they Mm -hmm. won the President's Trophy last year and got knocked out because that was the running theme here. So is there too much hype around the fact that they're not going to live up to that expectation? I would never say that the Bruins are going to miss the playoffs because... Like they, you know, I think last year a lot of people thought the same because, you know, Marshan and McAvoy were missing at the start of the year. But, you know, I definitely think, I don't think anyone's looking at the Bruins and saying this team's winning the Stanley Cup this year. You know, I think, uh, I don't think they'll have that bounce back presence trophy year, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is kind of interesting, right? Because there's so many back and forth narratives about the Bruins. Like they, they've been so good for the last decade plus. Like I think they've, you know, been to, they lost in two Stanley cup final. They've been in the playoffs like almost every year. Um, and for whatever reason, they just can't find a way to win it for this core that's there right now. But I, I mean, I'm never going to count them out because they have a lot of skill in that room and they obviously have a great coach in Jim Montgomery. And um, you know, the way that team gels is, is hard to deny, but I don't have high expectations for the Boston Bruins. I think they will be a wild card team if anything this year. Interesting. I'm excited to track that. Obviously, just for conference and division, I don't care for the Boston Bruins. And I say that proudly as I move to this next team, who I don't Mm. care for either. The Maple Leafs, they were hyped because they broke their curse, got out of the first round. Unfortunately, on my team, one of the most devastating moments. Do you ever have that issue as a media member where your emotions just completely overtake you and you're trying to be professional? Because I about lost myself when Toronto knocked my team out. Uh. Well, I've had it in a positive way, not a negative, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, like Ryan Lindgren scored in game one, that like nasty short side snipe uh, to go up 3 nothing, And I like, I jumped out of my chair. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> everyone in the press box was like, dude, fucking cool it down. <laughs> no, yeah. mine's like my soul left my body and I just didn't want to eat and I was nauseous. And then I had to go down and do press conferences and I hated everything about it. But um, Maple mm. Leafs, the out of their curse out of the first round made some acquisitions themselves it apparently made their team stronger what i will say kyle dubas did well with this team is help them become better defensively um which obviously is what helped them i think in my personal opinion get out of that first round there so too much hype not enough hype the maple leaves are now one of the top contenders in the league i think the hype is like as perfect as it could be uh i think the storyline is lining up in a pretty incredible way you know, they exercise those first round demons last year. They bring in Ryan Reeves, Max Domi, John Klingberg, Tyler Bertuzzi. Like they've added some good pieces. Yeah. Uh, you know, they got the Austin Matthews contract out of the way. That won't be a distraction. You know, I think Nylander right now is the only distraction that's going on because I think they're going to have to move him at some point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this team got better. And, uh, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for the Leafs is their fans. I think the fans just put so much pressure on that team that they feel it. Yeah. But, if you ask me, like, you know, everyone says Leafs year, Leafs year, Leafs year. Like, if there's been one year where I actually think they could win the Stanley Cup, it's this year. Um, you know, I think goaltending is is a question mark for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've seen it the last couple of years that 
if you have a strong team in front of you, goaltending doesn't matter all that much. And that's not to discredit Aiden Hill or Darcy Kemper, but right. you know, those two guys were not elite goaltenders in the NHL, but the team in front of them, you know, was able to defend the right way and score a lot of goals. So, you know, this Toronto Maple Leaf team can definitely score a lot of goals and, you know, we'll see how well they defend, but, you know, I think the hype is just about right around this team. And, you know, like I said, I think bringing in Ryan Reeves is going to be so big for that locker room. Uh, you know, I know the Reeves effect, what he had on the Rangers that year, they went to the conference final and lost to Tampa. And, you know, a lot of people want to say that the trade didn't really change much, but, you know, the Rangers swagger definitely disappeared a little bit once Ryan Reeves left this past season. So, you know, I think he's just going to be a big boost to that roster. And like I said, bring in Max Domi, John Klingberg and Tyler Bertuzzi, like Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be an absolute rock star in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and I think he makes that team so much scarier. So, yeah, I think the hype around Toronto is real. If I had to pick one team, I think, you know, I wouldn't say confidently, but, you know, first team off the top of my head, pick a Stanley Cup winner this year. I'm saying Toronto for sure. Gosh, heartbreaking honesty from Johnny Lazarus, everybody. Yeah. It's fine. I prefer the honesty over anything else, but you're right. And Reeves just kind of has this storm around him that makes you cheer for the guy. I remember watching him when he was with the Golden Knights and just kind of wanting things to swing in his favor and his career overall. It's just his demeanor and it's what he brings to the locker room, which is significant. But Bertuzzi is going to be the difference maker, in my personal opinion, mm -hmm. for that squad. Now, Penguins becoming a dark horse, which we kind of got your opinion on this. After offseason acquisitions, obviously Eric Carlson, uh, Norris Trophy winner, now stacks with this team that already has Crosby and so many other legends, Malkin, everyone else. But offensive defenseman, we talked about this a little bit, but he is a guy that can get pucks through, also score himself. Is this going to help level up the Penguins, who did well in their goal four category? I think they averaged about 3.12. They could not protect their D zone or their own net. So does this person in particular help raise their stock, or is it too much hype? I think so. I mean, the Penguins to me are, you know, a team, again, you, like the Boston Bruins, you never want to count them out, right? They've had the right. same core intact for almost like 10 years, just like Boston. Uh, you know, obviously they haven't won a playoff series, I think, since 2018. But, you know, with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, Gensel's hurt to start the year. But, you know, they add Riley Smith. They have Ricard Raquel still. Uh, I think they've added some more to their depth. Like they brought in Lars Eller, I think, Matt Nieto. Um, you know, I think they rounded out their bottom six pretty well and depth scoring was something that they've lacked, I think the last couple of years, but you know, Crosby always makes everyone around him better. And, you know, listen, are they going to be the best defensive team in the league? Probably not. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tristan Jari, if he's playing well and stays healthy, then, you know, I think he can obviously carry the Penguins to a conference final. Who knows? Maybe even a Stanley cup final. I actually, last year, I predicted the Penguins versus the St. Louis blues in the Stanley cup final. And that was clearly, that. And clearly way off out loud. Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed of it, even though I should be. But, you know, I, I think the Penguins have one more in them. Um, yeah. You know, obviously with Kyle Dubas, with, you know, Crosby and Malkin and Latang basically on their way out, like they're going to want to get one more. And yeah. I think, you know, come deadline time, maybe they'll add some more pieces to round out their blue line. But this team, I think when they're at their best, they're definitely scary. So I would not count the Penguins out as well. Not too much hype. And I mean, they're on the cusp of making playoffs. I think it was barely a they're point. one point out. Exactly. One point there. So uh, Nieto, too, I think is a very underrated player. So with the right guys, I feel like we're going to see a whole different level out of him, which brings us to what was one of the larger conversations that started to overshadow the New Jersey Devils winning the offseason conversation. It's the Canes as cup favorites, especially with Dmitry Orlov and Michael Bunting on their roster. Too much hype, not enough hype for the Canes in the upcoming season. Man, the Canes are a tricky team. Um, you know, 
I feel like the narrative around them has been the same for the last couple of years. Like they don't have that game changer, game breaker, superstar, but like Aho and Svechnikov, I think are two really strong players. Svechnikov obviously being hurt last year killed them. And, you know, everyone wants to make fun of Rod Brendamore for saying we didn't get swept and that quote and whatnot last year when they lost obviously four games in a row. But, you know, I kind of like, I kind of sided with him, honestly. I was like, this could have easily been a four nothing sweep in Carolina's favor had a bounce or two gone a different way. Yeah. Um, but Carolina, I think like, their hype is just it, it just to me it's like so mid right like i think you know they're, they're never a team that's gonna re- like they, they always scare me like in general but they're never a team where i'm like oh they're gonna win the cup like sure. it just it, i don't know why um i do know why because they don't really have scary talent at the top like yeah. they have talented players but they're not scary talented players you they haven't pieced it together well yet to be yeah. scary because I know one of their kryptonites this past season was their power play, and mm-hmm. they tried to bring some guys in at the trade deadline. It just it didn't it didn't mesh well for them. It didn't add up. So they've got skilled players, but it's not synergistic yet to where they're making any moves defensively. Yeah, they scare the hell out of you. Um, but you think Orlov or Michael Bunting, 103 mm-hmm. penalty minutes, this guy. I know I got frustrated watching him play the Tampa Bay Lightning, but do you think that these are the kind of guys that can help tilt the ice and get pucks in the back of their opponent's nets? Well, I definitely think he'll help uh, with the grit factor. Not that Carolina needed to get much grittier, but, you know, that series against Florida, like after every whistle, Florida was bullying them. Um, yeah. And, and that's something that w- was clear, right? And Florida was kind of doing that to every opponent. They did it to Toronto, Toronto also. But, you know, Carolina, I think, just needed to get a little bit more. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like uh, a little more bark, I guess, you know, a little more bark to their bite. If that, That's the phrase, right? Yes. Um, you know, well, Carolina, you know, they, like I said, they're an in your face team, a little bit of a scary team, a gritty team, but they don't have that extra, like, oomph, you know, so yeah. Bunting might bring that for them. He'll stir shit up. He'll, he'll, you know, get, he'll get under guys' skin. And, you know, I think that's something that Carolina might need a little bit more of. Yeah, absolutely. He can score a little bit on the power play. I will say that. And I think he was about 26 goals deep this past season, even with the many games that he had to sit. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I've seen some of your tweets, so I'm excited about this one. The Devils have multiple guys that have favorable extensions. That That's why everyone was saying they won the offseason. Uh, Timo Meyer, you've got Jack Hughes, you've got all of these well-poised position players to ramp it up this season. But uh, is the talk cheap? Is there too much hype around this team, especially being plus 1,100 favorites to win the Stanley Cup? Oh, this one's going to just – are you going to clip this one? <laughs> <laughs> This is actually the clip that's going up. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll be careful how I word it, but no devil's fans to me. Like it's, I have a weird relationship with devil's fans because last off season, I was all over them. I was like, this team is making the playoffs. Like they just haven't been healthy, but when the devils are healthy, they're a scary team. And Jackie, like I was on the devil's train last year, I think before anyone else was. Mm-hmm. And this year I'm the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. I am on the train where like the hype might be a little too much for them. You know, they have one really good year and they're going to have a lot of good years, but I don't know if this is that year for them. I think they're going to keep building. And I think back to like, you know, the Colorado Avalanche teams that have battled and battled and battled and couldn't get over the hump with all the talent that they had. The Devils are very similar, right? Like they're going to have to learn from their losses. This is the first time they made it past the first round and God knows how long. And it's something that they're going to learn from. So I think they're going to have a year where, you know, the hype is going to creep into the room if they lose four or five games in a row. And, you know, I think they're a really good team. And and I don't think last year was a fluke at all, but the storyline changes when the pressure's on last year, they were playing with the house money. And even I think Jack Hughes said it, like 
you know, no one expected us to be here. We're just having fun. We're happy to be here. And, you know, this year that's not the case. Right. So um, we're going to see how they handle the adversity when it comes their way. Cause it didn't really hit them last year. And when it did, they're like, all right, well, we got here and no one thought we would. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's not knocking anything on their roster or anything they're capable of. It's really just that pressure and how they deal with it. Because we've seen a lot of teams who have all the pressure choke like this year, the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. the, you know, 2019 Tampa Bay lightning. And those rosters were strong. Like this team is strong too, but I don't know if I'd put them in the same level as those teams. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just human nature to, to feel the pressure and, and have to learn from it. So the devils are going to be good. They're going to be scary. They could easily win the Stanley cup. I'm not saying they can't, but I want to see how they handle adversity when it hits this year. Inevitably. Speaking of adversity and pressure, because we saw that they would either have struggles with getting pucks in the net, or they would load up on the score tally. Do you think a lot of the pressure is going to come down to their D zone cleaning up? And I think that they have a giant loss in Severson no longer being there. Yeah, they, they definitely, uh, you know, had some key guys lead their blue line. I think Ryan Graves left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think Dougie Hamilton's been solid back there for them. I think the biggest question mark is Vanacek or Schmeed. Uh, you know, obviously Akira Schmeed kind of took off in the playoffs last year. And, you know, if they give him all the responsibility as a young goaltender with not a lot of experience, you know, he could crumble under pressure. But Vanacek obviously had a pretty strong year last year. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for the Devils is, and this is like a cliche saying, but the best defense is a good offense, right? So the Devils possess the puck for most of the time whenever they play anyone. Uh, they spend a lot of time in the offensive zone and they rarely allow odd man rushes against. Um, so I think, you know, as far as their defensive zone goes, it's not a huge concern because they have the puck so much of the time. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, I think in the rare scenarios where they are caught in their due zone, it's just all going to fall on Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmid and see if they can step up or not. So there's going to be games where I think, you know, someone has them hemmed in their own zone, but I don't think it's going to happen very often. Gotcha. Great thing to point out, too, by the way. Um, all right. Almost done here. Vegas Golden Knights to go back to back. I I don't think it's a no, but I don't like I, I wouldn't say I'm confident in it. Um, but this team is just so deep and we saw it like they were, you know, far and away the best team last year in the postseason. And, you know, I, I honestly, I've been saying it's Vegas year, like since they entered the league, just because top to bottom, like they have so much talent and their goaltending was obviously something that was a concern last year with all the injuries and whatnot. But, you know, I think Eichel performing the way he did signing Barbashev, you know, having a guy like March so coming off the playoff run, he had Mark Stone, like, you know, there's not many holes on this Vegas team. And I didn't even mention the blue line. Like they're, they're, so good defensively. Like, you know, I wouldn't say they have the best blue line on paper, but they don't allow much. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, right? So, you know, I wonder to see if they'll have a Stanley Cup hangover. I think everyone does at a certain point, and staying healthy is obviously an issue. I mean, Colorado struggled to stay healthy this year. So, you know, I think there will be some tough times for Vegas this year, just health wise, because playing till, you know, mid end of June is, is so tough for anyone. But, um, come playoff time, I expect them to ramp it up again, similar to a Tampa, right? Like Tampa was a, a team that didn't have many holes, but you know, what separated Tampa was their elite goaltending, which Vegas still doesn't really have. Um, right. so I'm not confident in saying they'll go back to back, but then again, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. A lot of it was how well the guys played in front of whoever was between the pipes. I think they went through six goaltenders, four, five, yeah. six of them anyway. So that brings to a larger topic. I need your opinion, Johnny. Who's the strongest division heading into the 2023-24 season? I don't always have the most favorable opinion on this, but I, I feel like I back it up strongly. So what's your opinion? 
I don't want to like be biased toward you, but I honestly think it could be the Atlantic. Okay. Why? I think the Ottawa Senators are a playoff team this year. Uh, I think it's going to be four and four out of the East. I think four from the Metro, four from the Atlantic. And, you know, Buffalo's on the rise. Detroit's, I think, somewhat a little bit above average. Tampa, obviously, is as strong as ever. Toronto, I think, has, you know, maybe the best team in the NHL right now, just based on everything. And, uh, you know, who else am I missing? Florida, you know, obviously the run they just went on. You know, Montreal could be a stinker once again. But, you know, I think seven out of those eight teams, like, could easily be playoff teams. So, um and I guess, you know, you can kind of make the same argument for the Metro, but right. I don't know. I really do think it's just the the Ottawa and Buffalo emergence. Mm-hmm. I think that division has five very strong teams where, you know, I think in the Metro, there's like three really strong teams and then somewhat of a drop off. So, yeah. and I could say the same about, you know, the Central has three pretty strong teams. The Pacific has three pretty strong teams, but I think, you know, five really strong teams in the Atlantic division. And that's Buffalo. That's Ottawa, Tampa, Toronto, and Florida. Yeah, I agree. Giving it more of a chance. The hard part for me to look away from was the fact that Carolina obviously gets a lot of revolving conversation as to how strong they are, but how consistently that rolls through the season, who knows the one on the rise for me in the metropolitan is the Columbus blue jackets. Mm. How bad would you boo that one? But hear me out. They didn't have health on their side last year. They do have a lot of skilled potential players. Once they acquired uh, Johnny Goodrow, it was kind of finding his fit along Patrick Lane. And then they get this guy, Finsnelli, who is going to fit right in. I don't know what it is with Ohio pulling all these Michigan guys. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's instant chemistry, but you've got a guy who's got um, good size on him. He's a really fast skater from what I've seen, can create separation. If you can catch him, he can make you pay for it because he's not afraid to be physical. So with health, now getting on the Columbus Blue Jackets side, pretty good goaltending as well. Is this a team that can creep into the conversation of making the Metropolitan stronger? I mean, they definitely make the Metropolitan stronger. I don't think they're a playoff team just yet, but mm-hmm. you know, I think if you had to ask me, I think I've you know said it a bunch of times, but Adam Fantilli is my Calder watch, and I think you know we talked about Bedard and how great he is, but he doesn't really have the talent around him. Fantilli mm-hmm. has the talent around him, mm-hmm. and this kid also has so much swagger. Like I think I talked about it with Greg Wyszynski. Columbus hasn't really had a guy that they've drafted that like truly was like the heartbeat of the team, right? Like mm-hmm. Van Tilly is going to be the heartbeat of that team and he's going to be the heartbeat of that city. He is going to be a rock star. Um, yeah. You know, I've gotten the chance to interview him a couple of times now and that kid just is very mature, but also has that young cockiness to him at the same time mm-hmm. where He's going to be dangerous, and I, he's a guy that I'm probably most excited to watch as far as the rookie class goes. Um, but Columbus, I, I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but next year I think they'll be a little bit scarier. And uh, obviously, you know, as the years go on here with that core they have intact of like Gaudreau, Line A, Fantilli, Kent Johnson's nasty, Cole Sillinger's pretty sick, Wierenski on the back end, um, Emerson Leakins is pretty solid in goal when he's healthy too. So, yeah, Columbus I think is a team that uh, will be very exciting to watch the next couple years this year, won't watch them as much, but I'll keep my eye on Fantilli for sure. Fantilli, yeah. I'm a big fan. He's probably the one that I'll have my eye on the most as well. I just – you immediately saw his leadership ability and presence, and you can't help but look look further into that. And plus, he had the best best blazer oh, when yeah. it came to the NHL draft. So Sick. swag counts. It really counts tremendously. Um, all this to further – close out with the Stanley Cup conversation. Um, you got the New York Rangers who aren't too far out of 
the conversation here. I think they're sitting at plus 2,000 odds. Now, on Casing the League, when we do finally get to bet on games again, it's cash it, case it, or cut it. Cash it means you and I agree. We love the bet. Case it means you got to look into it further. It's a little sus. You need a minute, phone a friend, whatever the case may be. Cut it. You're not feeling it. It's not going to happen. So looking at these odds, thinking of everything we just talked about and all the great content that you drop over at Hockey News, which report, and so on and so forth, would you cash this, case it, or cut it, Stanley Cup odds being um, plus 2,000? To me, it's a case it for sure. Uh because I don't want to, like, I'm not overly confident. I'm also not underly confident. I don't know if that's a phrase, but you know, I think uh, something that I've really stressed on is that as far as I don't know which team got better and worse in the NHL this offseason, the Rangers are my number one pick in that category. Like, you know, obviously they lose Tarasenko and Kane and, and Mod as well um, in the bottom six, but like, I don't know if that makes them worse. Right. You know, I think it's somewhat of an addition by subtraction. And I think having the pressure off their shoulders is only going to help them. But then again, there's so many question marks as far as how they're going to perform under a new staff, what Kako and Lafreniere can do with more responsibility. Like I need 20 games to truly assess what this team is. And uh, you know, that's something I've harped on a lot. So, you know, 20 games in, we can, we can do another segment of this maybe. And, you know, obviously the Rangers are a team that makes a lot of moves at the deadline. So who knows who they bring in, who they add. I could see Tarasenko coming back. Um, but as we stand right now, I'm gonna have to look into it further. I love it. You know what? You're the first person who's actually chose case it. I think people really jump to, yeah, cutting it or cashing it. And I'm like, wow. you, you can look into it more. Yeah. I'm very analytical, so I would choose to case it. It also is my name. But Johnny, thank <laughs> you so much um, for all of your insight and perspective. So many great pictures that you painted for us as well, and a lot of interesting things to look forward to, not only on the Rangers roster, but across the league. Once again, you guys can see Johnny's handle right there, and he's a busy, busy guy. Are you? Is the schedule ramped up for you yet, or is it going to be a September, mid-September ramp up for you? It's a mid-September ramp up for sure, but uh, right now it's a little bit personal stuff. I got a lot of engagement parties this month. All my friends are being selfish and getting married, so um, <laughs> got to enjoy that before the season starts because obviously once hockey starts, it's a little bit, uh, you know, you got to pick and choose when you are able to attend things and whatnot, so going to enjoy some personal time, but yeah, mid-September it all ramps up, and uh, you know, I can't wait. It's going to be a really exciting year, so Casey, thank you so much for having me, and uh, you know, hopefully we can collab again in the future. Of course, absolutely. I'll hold you to that 20 games as well. So be sure to follow Johnny. You can follow me over at the Sports Case for the Case, Casing the League with a K as well. Also follow Believe Network to keep up to date on all of the great spectacular shows and hosts like Johnny so that you guys can see that. This show is brought to you by Bet Online. Once again, I'm Casey Hudson here at Casing the League, and we'll catch you next time. 